What's good? We're back with another episode of Chat GPG, where we dive into the latest of AI and its impacts across business, culture, and society. How you doing, Dre? I'm doing well, man. I'm really excited for this week. I know I said it every single week, but it just seemed like we are like, it seemed like we're at the top of a mountain, man, and wide, riding this crazy ride in the world of AI. So every week we're coming back with some new fire. So I'm excited to dive into the, the topics we got for today. No, a hundred percent, man. Like I feel right now there's a ton of people just building and the pace of innovation is just continues to speed up just because you're seeing so many new products being released week after week. But yeah, this week we're going to dive into Roblox and how they're thinking about AI. We're also going to talk about what I would consider Amazon's push against Microsoft when it comes to the AI battle, but we can get into that. And then we'll wrap up with a few design tools and machine learning operational tools for developers. But the first story, Roblox, man, what's the breakdown there? Yeah, I guess, are, were you familiar with Roblox before you saw it on the list? Have you ever played any any games on there? Probably not. I haven't. <laughs> I figure probably nobody around our age probably has, but maybe some have. So Roblox is an online game platform and game creation system that essentially allows users to program their own games and then play games that are created by other users. And so you can also monetize your game. So you can charge for different things. You can issue tokens in these games. You can essentially Roblox gives you the very basic tools to deploy game mechanics across centralized platform that they operate. And so mm -hmm. right now Roblox is working on some new tools to generate textures and 3D objects uh, using prompts, using text-based prompts. So essentially describe what it is you want to create or describe the object that you want to transition from a 2D object to a 3D object. And you will be able to do that and actually produce compute code that can then be taken and adjusted and understood by Roblox platform to build whatever world or whatever video game that you're building. And so my big takeaway from that is Roblox has been incredibly successful over the past few years because of how they've actually, how they've decided to engage with their own creative ecosystem. So they, they're mm. really, they're really, they're deeply creative centric. So they really focus on building tools and really engaging with the creator economy because that's their whole business is based on people creating video games on top of their platform. But it seems so like it's kids creating video games, which is. Yes, Very it is kids. It is kids. And so you can imagine like the ease of the accessibility of the tool set that they have to have in order for kids to be able to come in and Correct. build these worlds and build these games. And so by adding in this layer of AI, it just is only going to make it even easier and even easier so, for non. So let me ask this question, because I would love to get your thought on it, is if you have all these kids, because I think I read a while back, they have 97% of like kids in the U.S. playing it or something. But if you got that many kids playing Roblox and they're providing these tools that basically abstract away all the complexity, which requires some type of skill, what does the adult future look like for those kids that grow up like that? Like, what are the implications? I think the implications are not just going to be felt by kids, but I think it's going to be felt across the whole industry, right? One of my big takeaways from reading about Roblox strategy and looking at some of the other gaming companies as well, I think the entire industry is heading for overhaul, right? Where I think mm. many different parts of the creation process will be done through AI, gener through generative AI. And so what that looks like 
is again, whether it's just objects, whether it's audio in the game, like there were some articles that I was reading about taking text and turning it into audio for video games, or you can imagine the scene, the storyline, everything. And to answer the question, I think kids will be even more trained in the future, right? Because they're starting out really young, mm -hmm. getting access to these tools to build these roles and, and all of these things with their friends. And I think as they become more mature and they start to go into the workforce, they'll already be familiar with these tools. And, and I think if they're more familiar, they'll actually be able to make them a lot better. And so other game developers like Unity and Epic Games are either are starting to pull together their AI plans as well. And so I think the whole industry is moving towards this way slowly but surely. And yeah, I think these kids are going to be well prepared for the future, more so probably than I was. <laughs> no, that's going to be exciting. And the other thing that I think that is really impressive about Roblox is, like you said, they have figured out how to monetize these, basically create this micro economy amongst its users, which functions as like a miniature version of the U.S. economy. And so as the number of creators increase, as the output of their work starts to grow, what does that do for the economic value of the platform and its members on the platform? I'm very intrigued because I think it could be a microcosm of what potentially can happen in the real world. Do we see wealth creation or do we not see wealth for creation? Or does most of the wealth just go to a few people that know how to work it? And yeah, Roblox is definitely going to be something I'll pay attention to. But the next one, AWS Hugging Face. What's the backstory there? Yeah, so we've talked about Hugging Face before, what, maybe in our first or second episode? Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. But not too long ago. And so essentially Hugging Face, as we all know, is a... I guess you would describe it as a platform or a marketplace or, or companies, different organizations can share the different model, AI models that they're working on, along with some other stuff as well. And so they've been around for a couple, they've been around for a little bit now. And Amazon essentially, or AWS more specifically, is expanding their partnership with Hugging Face. And essentially, Hugging, Face, Hugging Face's language generation tool will be offered to AWS cloud customers. And they'll be able to start using that as building blocks for their own applications. And so what that fully looks like from a product standpoint, I still think is to be determined. But the announcement of the partnership was just released, which by itself caught, I know, the tech community by storm, just because we're starting to see a lot of these AI companies strike some of these big cloud partnerships. And Hugging Face is just one of many that are starting to do it. And so essentially, mm -hmm. Hugging Face will build their next version of their language model, which is called Bloom, on top of AWS, similar to what... OpenAI is going with their, their new models with Azure. And essentially, they'll be de developing an open source rival against ChatGPT. And so that's going to be really interesting. Right now, AWS has over 100,000 customers. They have tens of thousands of organizations that are running on top of AWS and already interacting with, with Amazon's applications. And so I think this opportunity for, for Hugging Face is massive. Obviously, they already have tons of customers themselves, but this just yeah. gives them much more broader reach and also different diversity of customers because Amazon is working with enterprise as well as startups. So I think it gives them much more breadth and depth than what they're able to accomplish on their own. And another one of my takeaways from this partnership is this partnership is not exclusive. And so it doesn't bind Hugging Face to work exclusively with AWS. And so they could very well go strike up another, some type of other strategic partnership with another cloud provider doing something completely mm -hmm. different if they chose that route. And so I find it quite interesting that, again, companies in a similar position as Hugging Face are starting to strike up some of these strategic partnerships with some of these cloud providers. And uh, yeah, we'll see what they do on the product side. No, 100%. I think when I was reading the press release, the words that stuck out to me were accessibility and also like transparency. And I think when you think about what 
the larger ecosystem of AI looks like right now, where you have Microsoft and OpenAI, you now have Google and you have Anthropic and you all, Google also has their own internal model. You had AWS over here, who's the leader in cloud with nothing. They've had this platform, Amazon Sage, in which they've basically by some of the machine learning operations, but they didn't have the models, right? In, in, in the range of models to be able to, I would say, compete with the Microsoft when it came to providing that chat GPT like infrastructure. And so when I look at a partnership like this, it's, I think it's very telling because Amazon has taken a completely different route than what Microsoft has chosen to do where Microsoft only has one model. It is hmm. chat GPT where hmm. now they they're coming and saying, huh, this is what the world has given us go do something with it. And I think that's going to have huge implications just because we'll get, we'll dive into a tool later. But what I'm just realizing as I start to get more intimate with these models is there's a lot of creativity that comes from wanting to connect one model to another, because this model may be good at language, but this model is good at vision, right? So they're different. And I mm -hmm. think as people start to dive more into this realm and build these type of products, to create the special sauce, it is going to take those kind of like building blocks to be together. And yeah, I think this partnership potentially could be a winner. It's, go it's going to be interesting. It's definitely different. Yeah. AWS is not a bad partner for sure. That's for sure. And ho hold on. Also the cost. The, think about the cost mm. advantages they're going to be able to apply to potentially attract developers that want to create machine learning applications. Yeah. This is going to be very intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll have to save it for another conversation, but there's a lot of stuff happening with energy as well. And so I think we should try to connect the dots between what's happening with mm. energy costs and what's happening in some of the breakthroughs within energy creation and how that plays a factor into some of the, some of the constraints that we've been limited to because of energy, at least in the world of compute. The yeah. next 10 years is going to be incredibly fascinating. A hundred percent. So for our next story, man, we got to talk about this because... Brad, this is something I've been dreaming of for a minute. And the fact that it's here, I'm like, this is dope, bro. But Spotify just launched their AI DJ today. And essentially, it's only available to if you're a premium subscriber. But you go in there and literally you can imagine your radio host speaking to you, talk, giving you context around like this song and all these cool facts and just color that creates this audio experience. It does that and it does it really well. And so I was just very curious about like, how did they end up making this happen? Initially, when I came across it on Twitter, it was another open AI partnership that was formed with Spotify. That's how I saw the title. But when I went and read the Spotify press release, it was really just a lot of ingenuity going back to what I was just saying earlier around connecting all these different AI pieces to form this holistic experience. And in their press release, they talked about Essentially, they have the Spotify personalization, so like the recommendations for the playlists and things of that. They were already doing that. Now what they're doing is they're taking ChatGPT and basically prompting it somewhere in the background, say, hey, provide a little bit of context on this song that's in this playlist. And speak as if, you know what I mean? Like it's providing the thoughts. And then I didn't even know this, but about a year or two ago, they acquired a company called Sonnet, Spotify did. And that company was an AI voice company. And so that product is essentially taking the words that ChatGPT comes up with and then reading it out as a voice. And I just wow. thought this was very beautiful of them just combining these three different AI technologies. 
because I do think that's where the future is going to go. Where I'm very fascinated is they're doing this on the listener side. What happens because a DJ also operates on the artist side? So what kind of AI tools do they have cooking up for like, you know, on, on like the creator side? And then think about that. What if they came out and was like, hey, our mission is to make everybody an artist because everybody like their whole thing is we want, they're a sound company. That's what they've been saying. So what if they make it super easy to like create podcasts if you don't even want to record or have the equipment for a podcast? What about audiobooks? What about new songs? Like it, I think Spotify is about to go crazy. That's all I'm about to say. Yeah, yeah, no, wow, they're well positioned. Have you you tried the feature out yourself? Have yeah, you yeah, I try. I had to roll over and try it. Wait, how do you use it? Do you just go into the? Because I put up the app earlier, I didn't even see the option. I had to, so I used it on Lena's phone. I had to update her, the app on her phone, and then it was there. Oh, okay. You type, you tap music, and then it would pop pop over in that tab, and also DJ. That okay, I definitely want to try that out. I was super excited when I saw the press release, the headline for the press release. I was like, wow, that's. A personalized yeah. DJ in your pocket? That's crazy. No, 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 no. You talk about positioning. Man. I got to see how Apple responds to that because you know they're <laughs> going to respond. That's going to be very intriguing. Man, Steve Jobs is rolling over right now, punching the air. You got to hop on it, man. No, that's dope. That's dope. But not this tool. Go ahead. Yeah. So this next one, you're probably going to be excited about this because I, I can't tell you how many hours in days and years I've spent in Figma or in like product design tools, trying to design a user interface just to get it right the way I want it. So I can show it to a user or send it to the development team or whoever, show it to stakeholders. And so I'm super excited. So this new tool I came across called Galileo uh, AI is essentially a co-pilot for interface design. And so what does that mean? So Galileo essentially creates editable designs from text. So you simply describe the user interface that you want to create, tell it a little bit about like maybe the app you're trying to build, what it is you're trying to design, and it'll beautifully craft an interface that you then can take and edit directly in Figma, make your last minute edits to it, and then you can go ahead and send it off. And this tool is like incredible. I added myself to the waitlist. I haven't used it yet, but I've been seeing some other folks who did have access to it. And it's pretty insane. It definitely will help a lot of product teams move a lot faster. And so what I really took from this is how it, how it will free up product teams to just move way faster when they're stuck mm. on trying to make a decision about a design. And I don't know mm. about you, but like just working with a lot of product teams, a lot of times we have a lot of conversations around, okay, how should this look? How should that look? Or we need to put this in front of the user, put that in front of the user. And if it's, yo, if we can put, 10 different designs in front of users in 10 minutes, um, all just through just describing a different interface or a different flow or something different about what that experience should be, and then take user feedback and then go back to the drawboard and do it again. That feedback loop gets so much shorter. And I just, yeah, I can't even imagine how that looks from a productivity standpoint. Bro. That tool is called Galileo. Check it out. And it's going to go crazy once it gets open up to the public. It's crazy that you just mentioned productivity because that's where my head went because I think too often it's very easy to conceptually grasp that when I when I invest a dollar I expect some type of return or when I spend some money I'm doing it I'm doing it to get something but we need to be thinking about how we're going to spend our time in a world mm -hmm. where there are these AI tools because they don't cost the same 
Mm. It don't cost the same. Like going back to what you just said about product teams, that is going to be so helpful because you're going to be able to experiment faster, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just very excited about that. And this was one thing about me. I was like, how the hell are they doing this? How? And so <laughs> I didn't even know Figma had an API in mm. which they could take advantage of. And so there's definitely what I even took away from this too, from a developer standpoint is essentially what they're doing is they're probably using some large language model, right? And then basically they have some type of prompt that matches the API from Figma, which allows them to do all those kind of special things, which is super dope. What other type of businesses are like that? Because I can see Figma coming and purchasing this up because it's almost, hey, I'm buying this feature. And they right. actually, I want to say they actually did something. Figma actually did just purchase up an AI company just like that, where it would like, it wouldn't create the whole Figma for you, but it would be like different shapes type stuff. So all that to say, entrepreneurs, like founders, if you're listening, like there's something to learn here. Facts. Big facts. Yeah, they, I did see one thing that they basically trained it by observing thousands of existing designs. So, yeah, part of it is Figma having the API, which obviously helps a lot. But two, it's probably a lot of human labeling too, right? Like they probably just looked yeah. at all these different designs and just did a bunch of human labeling. Yeah, it's incredibly fascinating. I can't wait to get my hands on it again. I'm so tired of going into a blank Figma to design something. So this will be a, a huge step up for me. No, nah, facts, facts. I'm excited about that. Now, nah, so to hit on this last tool that we wanted to share with y'all, this is a cheat code for the developers out there, the people that want to build. And so it's called Dust. And the simplest way I can put it is it provides you a menu of building blocks to be able to connect them as you see fit. And that's very important because going back to what we were saying about Spotify, how Spotify used three different types of AI to be able to create the output, which was the experience they wanted to create. So Dust is an open source project that was started by two guys out of Paris. Uh, I just happened to come across them on Twitter and I was like, bro, oh. this shit sounds like it's going to be crazy. And I've been using it in my own stuff, bro. And it makes things so much easier. And so I ended up learning that these guys, they, uh, they actually sold a company prior to starting Dust to Stripe. And so they already had an exit under their belt. And then, yeah, they were also starting to just build their community. But essentially what, they, what Dust is really good at is it allows you to use like any model. And it's like literally click type of, oh, I want to use DaVinci. I want to use Cohere's model, et cetera, et cetera. It provides you like the efficiency of just having one API for this complex system. Because right now, if you want to use these different AIs or do different things, it's, you're, you have to balance all these different API requests if you're a developer, right? Which obviously could lead to different flaws in the code and things of that nature. And so they allow you to just do that by adding different blocks. So one, one block is like Google search. If you want your model to be able to search things and go through the search results, you literally just you just literally add the block and then you can add your API, your Google key. And then next thing you know, you're able to do Google search and you know, all this on your model. And it's super dope because there it's one it's open source. And then it was also backed by, I didn't know they had this, but it's called the open AI grant or something like that. But yeah, it was something that was AI grant. It's called the AI grant, but um, yeah, this is definitely a tool. If you're building out there, anything in AI machine learning, Definitely check it out. It makes it very easy. Also, if you want to do chain of thought prompting, which is just basically saying you want a host of different models lined up to do different things, taking each thing as like an input, it does that. 
you can get into a bag. And if I'm going to be honest, it's super easy to use. Anybody can use it. That's how good they've gotten the experience down to. And so I definitely wow. recommend checking it out. Wow. That's huge. I'm definitely going to look at this. I, yeah. You say anybody can use it. That's the anybody, thing about a lot bro. of these, a lot of these new tools and the, the moment that we're moving into is accessibility of technology, which when that happens, it's hard to even imagine what the role looks like because for such a long time, a lot of the best and most innovative tools and technology have only been reserved for a very few select people in society. And so <laughs> we're hitting this chasm where that's no longer the case where now anybody with an internet connection has access to the most powerful tools online that are available to everybody. So that's super exciting. Can, let me ask this question because when we think about tools in general, most of the tools we've experienced through the internet has been around like search or find or discover things of that type of intelligence. But we have this new type of intelligence where it's creating things from scratch. Like what, how do you value those different types of intelligence when it comes to the internet? It's just so early right now, man. It's hard to even, it's hard to even say, because I think in the way that we're going, where you have generative AI, it changes how you use the internet a little bit, right? It changes mm -hmm. how you use search. It changes how you think about discovery. It changes how you think about commerce. It changes how you think about serving ads, right? It changes how you think about even advertising online, right? So it's going to be a lot of, it even changes the conversation around open rights to content, right? Rather mm -hmm. the content that is being used to train a lot of these models are up for fair use or not. So it's tough to say, I think going, I like to compare everything to a sports analogy. So I'll compare it to like baseball. That's what I grew up playing. So it's, we're not even in the first inning game hasn't even started yet. It looks like it started, but it's like, we're just warming up right mm -hmm. now. And so it's hard to say how transformative it'll be in terms of like how it, Changes a lot of things, but I think just generally speaking, it's going to change how we use the internet. And that's, yeah, that's crazy to even imagine. Nah, that's going to be an exciting future to, uh, to be a part of, uh, and, and definitely witness and winning. That's why I'm going to say we're going to win in that future. And oh, hopefully y'all yeah. no listening to this podcast, y'all feel like y'all going to win in the AI future too. Facts. But anything else we want to, we want to drop before we leave? No, I think we're good for this week, man. All right. Peace. All right.